episode of Currently Binging, the podcast about all things TV and movies. If you're listening for the first time, welcome. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to my voice on. Also, take a few extra seconds to rate, comment, all greatly appreciated. So, you read this right. We are discussing (laughs) volume one of season four of Stranger Things. I feel like I could have said that a different way. (laughs) We're discussing season four of Stranger Things, volume one. We still have one more volume left, which is only two episodes, but we'll get into that later. (laughs) But this is the final season, you guys. Uh, If you have not listened to my previous thoughts on Stranger Things, I will link season three in the show notes. Season two... I'm pretty sure I discussed, but I that was before my um, podcast switched over from Clam Dees to Currently Binging, and it's like grouped with a bunch of other TV shows, so I'm not, I can't even remember how in-depth I got about it, but um, you can probably find it <laughs> if you search it, <laughs> but yeah, so before we dive right in, because we got, there's a few things I want to talk about about this volume one of season four. Um, but before we get into it, this is a solo hosted show. It is just me. These are my genuine opinions. We're not going to all have the same opinions. Um, so if like whatever I'm saying, you don't jibe with, like feel free to, you know, check out another podcast. Um, there will be spoilers for like any of the seasons, although I have to be honest, I can't remember every single thing that's happened, so might not be too many spoilers, but there will be spoilers. Um, yeah, I could repeat myself and go in circles, all those things that could happen when it's just you talking to yourself or talking to you guys, but like in this room, it is just me. <laughs> so let's get into it. So Stranger Things season four, volume one. Not gonna lie. <laughs> Right when when up season seven, right when episode seven ended, I sat on the couch for a good five to ten minutes, going back and forth with myself on if I should split my discussion into two, so volume one, volume two, or if I should just wait until volume two drops and then discuss it all together. And I kid you guys, not. I sat for five to ten minutes, going back and forth with myself because coming into this. I was going to wait until, like, like I normally do, wait until the end of the season to discuss it. I knew this was being dropped in two volumes, which seems to be the thing that Netflix is doing lately for shows that are having their final season, because they did it for Ozark, which I am not watching. (laughs) I did watch season one, but I could not get into season two. I just never picked it back up. But I know they did that for Ozark. I feel like they did that for some, another show. So it seems to be if the show is really, really popular or has a really big following and it's their final season, they will split it into two. I was also sitting here like, is, is this a post-pandemic thing? I'm not sure. But essentially, we didn't, we're getting two parts of the final season and we knew this going into it. And so when before the season even dropped, you guys know I'm not a trailer girl, so I didn't. I don't think I watched the trailer for this. I think I watched part of the trailer. But me and Stranger Things, we have like a weird 
relationship. It's kind of similar to my relationship with um, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. If you watch that show, I do have episodes on it <laughs> where I discuss it. And if you listen to them or if you have listened to anything for the most part that I've discussed, at some point I mentioned that horror is not my genre. Horror, um, scary, demonic, like all that stuff is not my genre at all. I don't care. I, I just cannot watch it. Um, and so it was a struggle with showing adventures of Sabrina, especially when we got towards the, the final seasons. Stranger Things initially, and I, I feel like I've taught, I've said this before when I've discussed Stranger Things. Initially, I had not planned to watch Stranger Things. This is just going to be a, a little refresher for some of you. <laughs> I originally planned not to watch Stranger Things because it was horror. And from the season one trailers, I was just like, I don't know, I can't tell. And so I was pretty late to the game watching season one. I was like a few a few months late. And it took like my siblings and friends watching it and then reassuring me that it's not that scary or whatever. And it really wasn't as scary as like you would think it could be. Although this season, <laughs> I don't know why they wait till the final season to be like, oh yeah, we're horror. Let's like pull out all the things. Although they, tr they kind of pushed it a little bit in previous seasons, but like this season was like, okay, <laughs> what is going on um, with that, with the Vecna guy? Or Vecna, Vecna, you guys know I can't, I be pronouncing everything incorrectly. <laughs> like that thing was just like, oh my gosh. And then the way that they were, it was like giving me exorcism slash like, see, I don't even watch the horror stuff, so I can't even give you the accurate references. But like, um, what's that one with the TV? It's super old. When the girl comes out the TV I don't, it's not the blob. I don't know why the blob is at the front of my head, but it was just giving me a mixture of things that I just don't like. So <laughs> there was that. And I would literally, as soon as they were hinting that he was about to kill somebody, I would cover my eyes. Yes, I'm that much of a punk. I do not do horror. I told you guys, I don't do horror. I don't do, like I can, <laughs> I've said this before too. I can watch like fight scenes, even some gun gun scenes, I just don't like to see people get shot in the head. Um, but I cannot do like those like possessed killings or like horror killings, slasher killings, like all that stuff I cannot do. But anyway, and so the the whole point is <laughs> I after doing some Googling and finding out that volume two well volume two was only gonna be two episodes, which was also why I was struggling on if I should split into two because I'm like, it's only two episodes. Like, I don't know. But then it's like, also, we're not getting the next, the final two episodes until July, which is a month out. And for me, as someone who watches a lot of things, like a month gap of watching something, which is why I've been struggling with like the network TV shows, specifically CW, because I just can't do the long breaks because so much stuff happens in between. And it's like, by the time we come to talk about it, I don't forgot <laughs> what happened. Um, and Stranger Things also take super long breaks, like two years between each season. So it's just like craziness. So I was like, oh my gosh, well, it's, 
we're not getting the final two episodes until July. There's a month break between this first part of the season and the second part of the season. But then I saw an article with, I can't remember if it was with the Duffer brothers. It had to have been. But they were saying that essentially we're going to get like four hours of content. <laughs> so then to me, four hours of content, that justifies it. They also said that this is like the longest this is like double a regular season of um, Stranger Things because every episode is more than an hour long. The final episode was like an hour and a half or something like that. So as far as like length of content, it is long. Um, and so, and then they also said the final two episodes are um, going to be shot or not shot because it's already been shot, but it's going to feel like, like, a feature film in a way so that was like okay we're definitely splitting this in two because by the time I watch that it's not even gonna make sense to come back and talk I mean it will but like it won't make sense to come back and talk about um the first part and then the other thing that they said which was like the nail in the coffin and I was like okay we're gonna split this out is that what happened in the finale is gonna make sense why the second part is only two episodes. So I was done. I was like, okay, let's get into it. So we start off in 79. We're back at Hawkins Laboratories. We see, um, what's his name? Papa, which his real name is Dr. Martin Brenner. <laughs> we see him go off with like this I was going to say this 10 year old with number 10. Um, and I have things that I want to talk about. If you're new here, I don't like to recap it because like we all just watch the same thing, but I do have things that I want to hit on. Um, and so there's this horrible massacre. We don't know who did it. And then he comes and finds 11 and he's like, what did you do? My immediate thing, again, there are two year, there's like a, a length of time between each seasons. I don't, and I don't, I, I didn't, I have not gone back and watched in any of the previous seasons. So I honestly cannot remember if we've ever known that there was a massacre at Hawkins. And I feel like if we did know it, it was probably like season one. And so it's been, season one was, oh my gosh, I don't even know how far back that is at this point. Um, But season one was so long ago, like, unless you're like, a hardcore fan or you watch these seasons multiple times it's easy to forget the things that have happened um and it's never really referenced in following seasons so that was one thing but immediately when we saw that and he's like oh what did you do I was like okay so they're are they trying to hint that 11 like killed all these people but as the season goes on and we start to see more um past scenes everything starts to make sense <laughs> to me <laughs> and hopefully it did for you too because like Stranger Things is one of those shows where it's like things are just happening you don't like you can follow what's going on but there's never really like a reason even like we're like oh the upside down but we don't really know why it's upside down here like it's kind of like this whole volume one 
was like, okay, we're going to take it back to the beginning. And y'all know I love, I love me a good, like, storyline, development, like, give me all those things so I can figure out why we got to where we got to in the present. And so I enjoyed the past scenes because it helped fill in a lot of gaps for me. And I was picking up on, like, what they were trying to give us pretty early on in this season. Because when we are first introduced to, I wrote his name down. Because I feel like no one ever said it. Oh no, this one doesn't have his actual name. Okay, you guys know I take notes while I'm watching. So now I got to go through and find in my notes, Peter. I know I wasn't thinking about all those years. Because he was been to Peter, okay. I think his name was Peter in the um flashback scenes. But essentially the aide who we see multiple times talking to Eleven. When we first see him, I was like, okay, this is this is this is something I feel like we need to pay attention to it because we Eleven's being bullied by the older kids in the program because I'm assuming since she's 11, she would have to, no, she can't be the youngest because those are some really small children who were smaller than her. So, or maybe it was just that part of the scenes, which I did not look any of this up. I'm assuming they digitally <laughs> like shrunk um, what's her name? Millie, because there's like, some of it was looking kind of alien. I've talked about how I, <laughs> I find it really, um, disconnecting when they like digital, digitally shrink people or try to make them smaller. It's just easy to tell. And it's really, really weird looking on the screen. So sometimes she was smaller. Sometimes she was bigger. I mean, they could have had the forethought, and I'll probably Google this and then know when we come back to talk about volume two. <laughs> they could have had the, the forethought to film some of that in the beginning, but I highly doubt it. I think they digi digitally aged her down because there were some scenes where she was like her normal height. So it was hard to tell, but you would think number 11, she was the last in the row of kids. She would be the youngest, but whatever, either way. He pulls her this pulls her aside and is like, oh, this image is like number two or was it number one? I can't remember. But one of them, how he would access something that was super traumatic. So essentially something that was a memory, but then also a memory that they wanted to see or something like that, but also made him mad like he told her this whole story and I was like why would he tell her that <laughs> to like get her to access her um powers or like enable her powers quicker or harness her powers there we go to get her to harness her powers and so we then see him um essentially get in like reprimanded or beat um, by the guards because they knew that the guards and uh, Dr. Brenner 
which he wasn't doing it, but he was standing there. <laughs> because they, so essentially they'd be like, stop talking to 11. And so while all this is going on and we continue to see like all of the um, past scenes, in my head, <laughs> as we're working through these scenes, I'm like, okay, it's weird. Something's going on with the aid. Um, not sure how he fits into everything at the moment. This is the beginning of the season. I just know that there's something weird with him telling her about how to harness her powers. Now, as far as my theories on who actually killed everyone, I was like, there's, cause there's just no way that it was 11 who killed all these people. So then we get introduced to number two and I was like, okay, this kid's crazy. Maybe he killed all the people and there's more to <laughs> what happened when we see her covered in blood. But by the time we got to episode six and we started to see more of Peter's interactions with Eleven. I literally wrote, I feel like this talkative, because I didn't know what if he was a nurse, attendant, or whatever. I feel like this talkative nurse, attendant, I don't know, has something to do with what happened at Hawkins. And then as we got closer to the end of the episode, I was like, wait, is he number one? <laughs> And then we find out that he is number one and we essentially get his connection to Victor Krill, who um, part of the gang were like uh, investigating the deaths that were happening in Hawkins. And we saw that, um, what's her name? I don't know. I was about to call her Natalie. Nancy <laughs> went to the library and she and Robin found... The article on Victor Krill because she got that tidbit. Nancy got the tidbit from um, the kid, the second kid who died. His grandfather, I think he was, or uncle, one of those two. Um, and so it was kind of like full circle. This is how everything fits in. But I still was like, I have questions about <laughs> the timeline because I missed now. I take, you guys know I take notes and I'm pretty good about when I see a year or a date, writing it down because it usually means something. I did not write down the year of the newspaper that um, they were looking at the library, but I do remember one of the kids mentioning, asking, and it potentially could have been Steve asking how does a murder that happened like 40 years ago like, what does that have to do with today? So if I'm doing my math correctly and we find out that Peter was actually Victor Krill's son, then, and that kid looked like he had to be between like eight and 11. So then are we saying that Peter Krill or Vecna or who, whichever one you want to name, you want to give him at the moment, um, are we saying that at the point in 79 when he's interacting 
with, um, I was about to call her Millie, my gosh, with 11, <laughs> that he's in his like 40s, even saying he's in his 30s, like, I feel like that's a stretch. Because if you do 79, our current timeline or the present um, year we're in is 86. So that's like a seven-year gap. So you take seven away from when they read the article and they make the like 40-year or however long reference. That still puts him in like his 30s, maybe 40s. I was just like, there's no way that he was that old in the flashback scenes. So... <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I just, lots of questions on the timeline. But I loved seeing how all of that, like, tied back to it. Because it was like, oh my gosh, he's one. And then I was like, literally, as episode seven was playing out, I was like, everything was just connecting. I was like, I made the, the comment, like, oh my gosh, is he number one, potentially? Because he had the whole thing where... um or was that in episode seven or episode seven? I think it was in episode seven when um, Eleven, he helps Eleven escape. And then he mentions that he has this thing in his neck and it's for them to track him. And as she's trying to pull it out, I was like, oh my gosh. Because you guys know, if you listen to any of my other episodes, like we watch, we do the sci-fi, we do <laughs> the action, the superhero, like all the, like all that stuff. Where people be having powers and sometimes their powers get dampened. Like anything Marvel, anything DC. Especially like the CW TV shows because they do a lot of that um, on the TV shows. But like we know that there are gadgets out there that can dampen people's powers. And for some reason in Hawkins, even though they try to make reference to like all these things. Like the reference to um, their the internet but like them not knowing what the internet is because it's the 80s. Um, but like, we're still, they still have all this advanced technology for the time. Um, so when she's like trying to pull it out, I was like, oh my gosh, he's, that was like the, the nail, like I was asking if he was number one <laughs> in episode six, but when she pulled that thing out his neck, I was like, oh my gosh, he is number one. Cause like, they never say what happened to number one at all. And He's just—he was just weirdly inter-intersecting inter, uh, himself, injecting. There we go. What, what I was trying to say. He's just weirdly injecting himself into things that are going on with uh, Eleven. And so once she pulled that, I was like, "Oh my gosh, he is number one." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, he's the one who murders everyone in the building." <laughs> and so we see how that all plays out. And I was like literally just as I was like oh my gosh this is at the when I was like oh my gosh is this number one then I was like oh my gosh this is number one but also I knew he tied to Vecna in some way like Vecna had to be him I had yet to make the connection to the Victor Creel um storyline like that he was a little kid but the main thing that gave it away was how the kids were killed in the past and how the teens are being killed in the present. It was that same like bendy um, eyes, uh, gouged out type of like killing. That was a dead giveaway. So that was like the main thing I was like, oh my gosh, he 
he is the Vecna, like the guy under in the underworld, <laughs> the upside down, because the way that people are dying is similar. And so that connected all the dots to me for me. And I felt I feel fine spending a lot of time on <laughs> that whole connection, because to me, that was the most entertaining part of volume one. Again, this is my opinion. <laughs> the flashback scenes are like making the connections between how everything like ties into um, everything that's going on in the present was the most entertaining part. Now, like I said, I have quite a few things that I want to touch on because it's rare. It's really, really rare, especially when we're talking about TV shows for me to like everything. It's going to be some things that I don't like. If you've listened for a while, then you know when it comes to stories that involve multiple people and they, their friends, families, uh, classmates, like anything where there can be a group moment, you know I'm going to root for the group moment. I love me a good group moment, a group team, a good team up moment. I live for those. My complaint in season three. Or was it season two? I think it was season two when um, Eleven went to Illinois. My complaint was that, and I know, we have to we have, to have a story. You got to split them up for a little bit. We can't have them together all the time because then, like, there's nothing to ramp up to. I feel like the last season, we got to see more of them together because everyone was in the same location. One of the biggest questions that I think everyone had, but it was a question that I had when season three ended because we saw um, Eleven and, uh, what's his name? Eleven, Jonathan. Oh, you know why they're not in here? Because, or no, and Will. <laughs> I was like, you know why they're not in here? We're going to get to that because I, I have a, a, another gripe. No, this ties into my gripe with the finale actually. Um, so we saw Eleven, um, Will, and Jonathan, along with their mother Joyce, move to California, which is miles and miles and miles away. And especially in the 80s, it feels miles and miles and miles away. <laughs> and one of the questions is like, and this was like my first question when I started to talk about what will we see in the season four? How are they all going to get back together? My biggest struggle with this season is that not only are they all split up because we have the two split groups, which are, are the kids who moved to California, the kids who are still in Hawkins. But it's like, no, we're not even going to just split it that way. We're going to add in an additional layer of splitage. <laughs> And we're going to have Mike go to California. We're going to have Eleven get taken away by all the Hawkins Lab people. And then we're going to throw in a, a few new people <laughs> who we've never met before to create all these storylines. And then we're going to have Joyce and uh, Murray go off to Alaska and then essentially Mo Moscow where... Oh, wait, uh, Hopper is also there. Like, <laughs> if you could see me, you would see that I'm like literally shaking my head. 
the one takeaway that I have for this entire volume one, I kid you not, is there were too many people in too many places. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. To the point that in the finale, we didn't even link back up with the with the road trip guys. <laughs> they were nowhere to be found in the finale at all. And the finale was an hour and a half. Does not make sense. It was just too much. I'm glad that the the last two seasons are like feature length um, episodes or last two seasons, last two episodes are feature length episodes. But like, I would have thought by now, somehow they would all, maybe not Joyce and Hopper and um, Murray, but at least the kids at some point somehow would have all ended up back together. But where we end, everyone is still where they've been for majority of the season and we didn't even check in with one of the groups actually no i think we did check in with um actually i don't i can't i don't i don't remember if we checked in with the moscow crew but essentially it was just too much and I get it because like realistically, how do, do these kids get from California back to Indiana without driving? But <laughs> they also are trying to find out where 11 is. So they don't went from California to Oklahoma to, uh, I was gonna say Hobnob. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a good description. Why well, do I want to say her name is Susie? Is that what that girl's name is who lives in Oklahoma? We're going to try to find it quickly. But essentially, they end up going from California. They end up lost somewhere. We're talking about the road trip crew. <laughs> you know, I like to give the, the group's nicknames. Um, they end up just in California somewhere because they're trying to run from being killed, which when those, when those agents like kicked down the door, I guess they didn't really kick down the door because he opened the door. But like when they showed up at the house, uh, when they thought that it was a piece of guy, they just straight off the bat started shooting, no questions asked. I was like, so were they just going to show up and literally kill a bunch of teenage boys? Like, that didn't even make sense. They didn't even ask any questions. They essentially just were like, oh, we're gonna, we're just gonna shoot. And whatever happens, happens. Like, that did not make sense to me. And yes, the girl's name is Susie. <laughs> so, um, then they end up going to Oklahoma where we find out Susie's living situation, which is weird. <laughs> it was just a lot. Again, too many people in too many places. And like new people too, because we had Jonathan's friend as well, who was like, there'd be like comedic relief, but it was still like an additional person that we have to now keep track of <laughs> or that I have to keep track of. Um, and then we kind of like leave them in Oklahoma where they're like, where they figure out that um, 11 is in Vegas, but like, are they going to get, or Nevada, I should say, are they going to get to... Nevada before they go to Hawkins because their whole point of taking her 
was for her to get her powers back so that she can go and save the people in Hawkins. So by the time you drive, I don't know. It's just like, we're getting into volume two territory here. But like, it's just the how and the why. It's just, I, I get the why, but it's also the how, but like, why is it taking them so long to get back to the group? Like if they know that essentially they're trying to get Eleven's powers back so that she can go to Hawkins and help the people there. I would think that they would just go and be like, okay, we know she, we know she's in Nevada. It's going to take us a while to drive <laughs> to Indiana. So we might as well start driving now. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And maybe it's just me because, you know, I love my group moments. But I still was just like, oh, my gosh. Then you have Joyce. <laughs> you have Murray trying to save... Uh, freaking Hopper which everyone suspected Hopper was still alive based on how season three ended <laughs> no surprise he is still alive um his storyline too it was just a lot going on it was a lot going on and a lot to keep track of um in this season but he had an escape plan the escape plan failed he ends up in the worst um the worst situation you end up with where they finds out that there's a, a, is it a demigod? I think that's what they're called. <laughs> it's there and he's the only one who knows how to fight it. But by the time they get to that whole thing, uh, Joyce and Murray then found themselves there after going through a bunch of unrealistic <laughs> situations to get there. Uh, it was just, it was just a lot. Although I do love the Joyce and Murray combo. Like the, I think the adults combo works really well because like they all have their own little nuances so I don't mind them being off alone by themselves with their own storyline it's the kids like I love to see them all together in the same place versus they're all spread out and we have these moments where we don't even see one group for an entire episode which makes no sense to me but hey they just say how we how this episode played out will make sense when we get to the final two episodes so we shall see but then we have the kids and Hawkins and there are a couple of things I want to come back to that happened earlier in the season in California but we have the kids and Hawkins which we have the new layer of Jason who's a new a kid that we've never seen before and then we also have Eddie, who is essentially new because the kids are now in high school, which is like, I mean, it makes sense based on how spread apart these seasons are and how big the kids look. I made a promise to myself, episode one of the season, that I was not going to get in on here and talk about, OMG, these kids have grown so much because I feel like I did that last season. <laughs> but you guys know, it's the truth. But anyway, um... Uh, so then we have Eddie who essentially is at the scene where the first teen dies and the police don't really know what's going on, but he's like on their suspect list, but they haven't said anything. And this is where Jason comes into play. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I get out with Jason. Everything that he is saying does not make sense. But then I forget that in the eighties, they're really like, people really did think that teenagers were being possessed by um, the devil, because there was like something going on when, with, I think it was either the late eighties, early nineties. It's like around that time where 
I can't remember what it was called. Like, this is, this is for real. I can't remember what it was called, but like some kids were like going around. I feel like I watched, I read something about this, but they were like killing animals for a sacrifice or something along those lines. It's a whole thing. Google it. It was happening. So it was like a lot of this going around at the time where people thought that the kids were being possessed by the devil and were killing animals and people as a sacrifice. And essentially the thing here that is the D&D game, the Dungeons and Dragons, and they think that the kids are being possessed by the game and then therefore um, killing or sacrificing, killing people or whatever. We They kind of make a mention of it in the beginning of the season. So Jason thinks that because freaking Eddie is over the Hellfire Club, like all the Hellfire Club has been possessed by the devil. Eddie is leading them and they are trying to hide him and protect them, even though they are like some of them, because uh, some of the kids are in the Hellfire Club, which is essentially a club that just goes and plays some dragons after school. But Dustin and uh, why do I feel like we're missing a guy? We're not, we're not missing a guy. They're just all in California. <laughs> so it's, it's um, freaking Dustin and Max and then eventually Lucas. Because Lucas is on the basketball team, which I mean, who didn't see that coming? <laughs> but, um, and so that scene where they, I literally wrote it in my notes. Uh where he shows up at the uh, town, oh, I guess it's not a town hall, but I guess it is kind of like a town hall. Well, essentially the whole town is there and the sheriff is answering questions and Jason shows up there and just starts spewing all this nonsense. They let him have a whole speech to get the town riled up to go essentially hunt for a bunch of kids who they think are possessed by the devil or hiding a kid who's possessed by the devil. And I was just like, why are they letting him spew all this nonsense? Like, that doesn't even make sense. Why won't they cut off his microphone? Why won't they take away his microphone? Why don't they stop him? Like, be the sheriffs of the town, which I know seems to be a struggle because they're not getting anything right. But like, be the sheriffs, do your job, calm down the hysteria. Like, it does not make sense. So that was a little irritating. Um... But yeah, so we saw Max was also one of the ones who got, uh, I guess you wouldn't call it infected, but essentially Dagna put a, put a, uh, I don't want to say a hit out. <laughs> he essentially like claimed her as one of the ones who was going to die within a few days because she saw the clock and all that. And I mean, as you're watching it, or at least if you're me, you're watching it. I was, would not have been surprised either way they would have gone with Max. I don't think, I was not surprised that she was the one who ends up being the first one to get the, um, the Vecna curse. But I would not have been surprised either way they went had they let her actually die or had she not ended up dying. Because they were looking for a um, way to stop it, I had a feeling that she wasn't going to die. What I did not see was as they're trying to escape um, after the older teens, which I thought they were, they were a good group as well. I didn't mind seeing them 
by themselves. But again, we have another group that got split into multiple groups at various times and that you had to follow around and keep track of. Um, I did not mind that group because Eddie is interesting. Like when we first meet him, he's like this shit talking, repeat, senior year repeat a few times um, kid where you're kind of like, ah, you don't really like, you just don't naturally, you're not naturally like, oh, I like that kid. But it's not as we see start to see him interacting with the group that's kind of like, okay, you're not as bad as I originally thought you were and actually wouldn't mind if you didn't die <laughs> kind of a thing. Whereas when um, he was just by himself and hiding, it was like hard to care <laughs> about him because like we knew him, but we didn't really know him versus when he's with the group and he's interacting and he's actually kind of funny because he has his little one-liners and all of that you're like okay I can see the appeal a little bit <laughs> but I did not mind the older kids together in the upside down um for them not to have had Dustin or any of the younger teens with them and be able to figure it out thankfully Nancy was down there with them and she has her and Steve have been involved uh this entire time I didn't even get into like the triangle that we're recreating between uh, Jonathan, Nancy, and freaking uh, Steve. I'm just like, I thought we were done with this, but apparently we're not. <laughs> They're bringing it back around. Um, but like, as far as it's the older teens who are still in Hawkins, both Nancy and Steve have had direct um, contact with everything that's happened more than the old, older teens. And Robin didn't get involved until last season. But the fact that they were able to figure it out and then that whole scene of them trying to escape the under, the, why do I keep trying to call it the underworld, the underground, the underbelly, the upside down? <laughs> oh my gosh. If there was one moment where I was screaming at the screen, it was during this moment. This moment in the moment when um, they're trying to save Max, when she's literally being lifted into the air by Vecna. And Nancy's like, or Robin's like, you need to play music. And they can't find the tape, <laughs> of course. And then uh, they find they find the tapes or, or no, Dustin's like, what's her favorite song? And then Lucas is asking a bajillion questions. I'm like, if you don't shut up and tell him, she's literally about to die. Why are you asking so many questions? He asked you what's her favorite song. Clearly it means something. Tell her what her favorite, her favorite song is. Like, I did not get that. That stressed me out as well. But them trying to get from the, uh, the, the oh my gosh, why is it so, so hard? From the upside down <laughs> back into uh, the real world. I was just like, you guys are taking forever. Uh, Vecna's still down there. You don't know who's seen you, where if they know where you are. And we saw like the little bat bird mixture creature thing that attacked uh, Steve when he first got in there, which I was like, oh my gosh, they're about to kill Steve right now. Like at this point, going to be honest, I was expecting there to be a couple of deaths <laughs> by the time we got to the end of it. But like so far, there haven't been any. So it makes me question if we're, I mean, there have been deaths, but there have been deaths of like our main crew or crews, I should say, since everyone's all spread out. Um, but it makes me wonder if, if anyone's going to die. Like, it just does not make sense to me to get all the way through everything and no one dies. I mean, for the fans, it's like fan service. But 
realistically, by this point, someone, even Steve should have died from being attacked from them things. Like, I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> but it was taking them forever to get out of that thing. And so I think the one thing I did not see coming was when, um, like, I knew, I thought that he was going to, although Vecna seems to be one who doesn't really chase after people. <laughs> He's like, I am going to do the least amount of work necessary to do what I need to do. And he literally does the least amount of work ne necessary uh, when it comes to, like, getting his prey, if you will. Um, but he ends up putting a mark on her or putting a curse on her and it's literally her and Steve still in the upside down. The rest of them are literally waiting for them to come through and she's in the like delusional or not delusional state, but the state where like she thinks she's in the real world, but she's not in the real world. I'm just like, oh my gosh, y'all took too long. Like... <laughs> I've been like, I've been just like, uh, what's his name? Freaking Eddie. Like, okay, well, if y'all not going to go, I'm going because I'm not staying in here <laughs> for real. And like, that's kind of where we left off with, uh, that group. So not sure what is going on with Nancy yet, or if they get, are able to get her out of the upside down because she was in a trance. Um, did I miss anything? about where we lit, where we ended up. I don't think so. I did mention that there were some things that I wanted to go back and revisit. And then we can kind of talk a, a little bit about volume two and then we're gonna wrap this thing up. <laughs> because we have a whole nother, a whole nother part to discuss in like a month. Um, I did say I wanted to go back to California. First of all, <laughs> or it's kind of California and Hawkins. So when we saw the pep rally in Hawkins, I was like, oh my gosh, this is giving me 80s cringe rom-com energy when Jason comes out and he's like, he's, I, I can't remember if he says something directly about his girlfriend whose name is escaping me. I honestly can't remember it, but I, she was the first one who ends up dying. And Hawkins, the first teen. But I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cringy. But going to California, first of all, we get to see them in school. Eleven's having a hard time in school. The girl who was bullying her, oh my gosh. By the time Mike gets there, because of course Eleven's been lying to him. And I have questions about Will too. Because I'm just like, what's going on with Will? I don't understand. Every season, I'm like, what is going on with Will? He had a very traumatic first season. And I feel like since then, they haven't... I don't know if it's that they haven't done anything with them because they haven't, or is it that they don't know what to do with Will or like how he fits in to everything to like fully flesh him out and use him to the fullness of his capabilities? Because I just feel like he's always just kind of there and like hesitant versus everyone else who's like very strong-willed in every single thing that they do. And everyone doesn't have to be like so strong, strong-willed and like so gung-ho. But this is now the third season in a row, if we just take out season one, where he was an upside down for the entire season. Um, this is the third season in a row now where we're getting like this very timid Will who's kind of like not expressing himself to his fullest capabilities, who seems to be uh, tiptoeing around people or more concerned about other people's feelings and not necessarily his own. It's very frustrating to watch. And 
it makes me, ha and I have so many questions that I'm like, are these valid questions to have? Or am I just trying to create questions because like I'm frustrated with the, <laughs> the will that we're getting? Um, because when Mike shows up in, when they lived in Hawkins, like Mike and Will are best friends. I don't know how, like the way, like, <laughs> there was one moment and I literally wrote this down because I was just like, I'm so confused. I don't even know what's going on anymore, but <laughs> I literally wrote, what is going on with Will? And then there was another point where I was like, okay, does Will have a crush on Mike or is he just missing his best friend? Like I am confused. And then, I don't know, it's just really weird. And I don't want to make it something that is not because people love to get on the internet and create things that they want to happen on a lot of these shows. And I think that that's weird. I'd rather they just like let it play out, but I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Will, but it's very, very frustrating to watch because you you just want to be like, like sh I don't know, like shake the screen and just be like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Um, but so when Mike shows up, he's under the impression that Eleven has all these friends. They go to the roller rink. Mind you, this girl has been bullying her this entire time. We saw her remarks when uh, Eleven shared that her... I think it was their hero or someone they looked up to is her father. And clearly from her story and her answering the questions that the girl was rudely asking, her father, at least to her in that moment, is dead. And she's just like irritating. Then we have the moment in um, outside where they like ran into her and her project fell. And then the one guy like smashed it and like broke the... Um, toy that was supposed to or the wood thing that was supposed to be hopper it was just like oh my gosh these kids I literally wrote <laughs> high school is another level of pettiness and layer drama like oh my gosh it was too much and then we get to the and we know she doesn't have her powers so like I mean there are moments where we're watching it and she's like is this gonna be the moment her powers come back but it's not <laughs> But uh, we see her at the roller rink and you could just see the desperation on Eleven. Cause like, it's still like this thing with Eleven because she, of the way that she grew up and she's always like, although like she's the same age as all the other kids, she is still fairly new to a lot of things because she spent so much of her life at um, Hawkins Lab. So there's like an innocence to a lot of the things that she does because she just doesn't know or hasn't experienced it. So it makes it even more like, oh my gosh, like when people wrong her, you want to like punch them in the face. <laughs> and you guys know my answer to things <laughs> always. <laughs> like when people are bullying people, I'm just like, oh my gosh, they need to be punched in the face, literally. And then when it happens, I'm like, they deserved it. But like <laughs> in real life, I would be like, you shouldn't put your hands on people, but like, <laughs> Seriously, oh my gosh, the way that she was acting and the way that she treated um, Eleven was just horrible. So when she has a whole moment where she comes up to the table and Eleven is clearly in distress and is like, just essentially, for tonight, can you just pretend to be my friend? And then they lure her out onto the roller rink and taunt her and make fun of her. 
And so then when she ends up getting smacked in the face, she's shocked and shook like she didn't expect it to come. But it's like, that's what you get. <laughs> Literally, that's what you get. So then when the police show up at the house and they put her in handcuffs, I was like, okay, this seems like a lot. One, why are you putting a child, clearly a 13-year-old, a, a or wait, 14-year-old, because they're freshmen, so 14, 15-year-old, in handcuffs um, and perp-walking them out of the house. And then you get to the station and you're like interrogating her. She's clearly a kid, so she does not know her rights. She's underage and she should have a, an adult present when you question her, but like you're essentially treating her like criminal. I don't know. It did not make sense to me. So those are the things that I wanted to touch on from uh, California. <laughs> but let's talk volume two. So again, two episodes. They're supposed to be feature length episodes, like an hour and a half at least, I think. I think it comes out to about four hours or something like that. Um, but what do I want to see? <laughs> I want to see, because at this point, now that Eleven, um, we didn't even talk about her being, like, taken to this place by Dr. Brenner to um, get her powers back. But he essentially has been playing all these memories to get her memory back because they think that her, like, her having these traumatic experiences has essentially, like, dampened her powers. But she essentially should be able to access them again. So now that she sees essentially how the um, gate, or not even the gate, how the upside down essentially was first created because she, with her powers as a kid, threw, I don't think his name is Peter, because now I'm looking at this other one. It was like in the overall IMDb, when you see their names, they have them as like Peter, Vecna, and something else. But then when you look at the individual um, episode, depending on the individual episode, they have orderly, or maybe Peter was the kid's name, was his name as a kid. So we're just going to stick with Peter. <laughs> um, she threw Peter through like essentially a gate into the upside down. And he, and he's been there the entire time pulling strings, which like then makes all the connections of why like the upside, it's felt like the upside down has specifically been after 11 because she's the one who sent him there. And she's the only one who will be able to stop it because, like, she knows who he is. So, I don't know. I think it's going to be... Because, like, the kids in Hawkins, they have part of the story. And Nancy got to see, like, that connection between um, Peter as a kid and um, Vecna as Vecna. It wasn't really clear... If she knows that he is, or no, she she does because he mentioned that he was part of the program, but she doesn't know that the reason that he's there is because of Eleven. So I think that that will be interesting to see when they all find out. Of course, when everyone is back in the same location, <laughs> at least all the kids, and they're all together and interacting because that is what I am most excited for. That what's that is what warms my heart. And those are the scenes that I love to see, like those big epic moments that are usually saved for the final episode. But like, hopefully we get to see some of that in episode eight. And it's not just all in episode nine. 
Um, I for sure want to see that. Of course, the epic battle. Like, how is this all resolved? We've literally been building season by season to this moment. So how does it all end? It's going to be big. I'm expecting, I'm expecting some deaths. I really am. Like, I think anyone's up <laughs> as fair game, to be completely honest. Like, the fact that all these kids are still here after everything they've been through is something. So I would not be surprised if we lose one or two people or even more than that. Um, how does, do the adults get back from Moscow when they don't have a plane? Those are all valid questions. <laughs> There's a lot that we still need to unpack. There are still things that, there are questions, um, that need answers. And yeah, <laughs> volume two does not drop till July 1st. I mean, I cannot believe that they split this this way in the two. I want, like, I want to know why, like, I know why, but like. I also am just like, I want to know why. Like, you didn't have to split into two. Maybe they're still, like, tweaking some things, trying to see, gauge what the feedback is, potentially could impact um, what they had when volume one went live versus what goes live for volume two. I mean, you never know. You never know. But I've talked long enough about <laughs> this first part of the final season of Stranger Things. I want to know what you thought about volume one. What do you want to see in volume two? How does this all end? Let me know all the things and I will talk to you in the next episode. That's the end of the episode. Thanks for sticking through it to the end. Be sure to follow me on all the social media platforms at Currently Binging on Instagram and at Currently on Twitter. Also, hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on and I'll talk to you in the next one.